Welcome to Cutting Edge Fanfic Deep Cut, the podcast where we look at the hottest new fanfics of 2019 and discuss how well they'll hold up 20 years in the future. My name is Amato, and with me are... Future Tori. Current Dom. You can be the future you. (laughs) You are you. Who says? You? Are you trying to tell me who I am? Fair enough. I I can't tell you who you are. (laughs) You don't know if I time traveled back here from the future or not. That that is a a point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what uh, brand new fan fiction do we have today, Amato? Well, we're finally getting into Steven Universe. I can't believe it took us 30 episodes to get into Steven Universe. Well, you know, we've been deep into Supernatural, so it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much Supernatural with the show and the community around it. I mean, how could you not, you know? Right. Not to mention all that Harry Potter that is still coming out like clockwork. Man, yeah. I mean, you know, new movies and stuff. It makes sense. Mm. But we are reading Diamonds Are Forever. It's a fanfic by E350. Now, the fanfic we're reading is um, on of, Archive of Our Own. Yeah, it's kind, so, of, kind of old, isn't it? It's older than I would like. It's from. It was written between June and July of 2018. Mm-hmm. I thought that would be fine, but that's because at the I hadn't caught up on Steven Universe. Right. And mm. so when before we read this, you reminded me. Oh, I should probably catch up on Steven Universe. Yeah. And I didn't realize that was the end of the series. <laughs> I didn't realize the series had ended since oh, I last watched it. Oh yeah, a lot so, happened. So I was like, well, whatever. It's like six episodes behind. Like that's Except, pretty up to date, right? Like the last episode is an hour long. Yeah. Right. So. To be fair, though, I don't think anybody realized it was the end of the series at the time. Yeah. Because <laughs> they definitely weren't marketing it like that. Yeah, I feel like I didn't realize it until my um, my coworker, who's like super into Steven Universe and has like three different Steven Universe T-shirts that he wears on a regular basis. <laughs> was like, did you see the end of Steven Universe? And I was like, what? (laughs) No, you did not just say that to me. So it turns out that it's rather dated in terms of where it's coming from for our podcast. Well, like, to be fair, though, like, any... If you talk to, like, a Steven Universe fan as it's coming out, then Mm -hmm. it was like, have you seen the new episodes? No, I haven't, but, like, we can still talk about it. The answer is always, no, we can't. (laughs) We can't talk about it. Every update is, was it important? Right, It is important. It's now, still going. <laughs> now, the other thing about choosing this fanfic is I did want to choose something by E350, who is a extremely prolific Steven Universe fanfic author. Mm-hmm. Extremely prolific fanfic author in general. But for example, during every Steven hiatus, this person has been writing 100 words a day of Steven Universe fanfiction, putting it online. My God, that's a lot of fanfiction. It's a lot yeah, of fanfic. It's a lot of hiatus. <laughs> so you look at these and it's like 100 words a day, part six, and it's like 35,000 words. Like... I know, it's it's been like most of a year or whatever, Mm -hmm. and they've been doing 100 words a day, and that's on top of other Steven Universe fanfics being written. 100 words a day actually isn't that many words to write, per se, but it's a really great thing to stick yourself to. It's what people do. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go on. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, when you do National Novel Writing Month, Mm -hmm. um, you have to, I think the breakdown is like 6,667 words a day or Mm -hmm. something like that. And that's, that's kind of a push, right? You're trying to push yourself. Mm-hmm. When you think about 100 words, it's like the 100-word short stories, you know? It's not that much. But to keep on task with it, that is a lot of commitment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really admirable author thing to do. Like, people who are genuinely dedicated to becoming better writers, that's the kind of thing they do. They're like, I'm writing every day at this time, no matter what. I've heard that as a uh, general thing for creative people in general, where they, it's a, I think, an idea pioneered by like, Jerry Seinfeld. What? Who had this uh, philosophy, which is don't break the chain, which is do one 
whatever your creative thing is a day, every day. Yeah. Uh, doesn't matter what it is. Just get it out there and do it and just get in that pattern. Well, so like he would write one joke a day. Hmm. Or like you do one sketch a day or write one thing a day. And it's interesting. Th- I'm not sure if it works exactly, but I think it's good starting out because you need to do a lot of shit before you get better. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's true. I will say that I think that idea is older than Jerry Seinfeld. I think there is like a, I don't know, Henry David Thoreau quote or something that was like read and write every day. It was the gist of it. But, it, it you know, fair enough. Like people take this and I totally agree with it because if you do it every day, you don't run into that freaking like malaise that like haziness of like i can't do anything anymore i don't remember the last time i created something so the self-doubt and stuff yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah how do we know this henry guy didn't take it from jerry seinfeld yeah i'm not an english major is that pre or post jerry seinfeld <laughs> yeah well let me say in my class on jerry seinfeld and other related comedians of the night is i don't just never mind <laughs> Anyway, you can find this fanfic on Archive of Our Own. Um, for some reason, E350, who has other presences on the internet, their name on Archive of Our Own is E350TB. I have no idea what the TB is for. You can find our link there at bit.ly slash cefdiamonds. I'm sorry, cefdc diamonds. As always, I apologize for not giving our show a catchier acronym. It's mm-hmm. always, you know, really difficult to latch on to. Yeah, I mean, we just had to go with, like, a name that like told you what we are, and then I, we, we can like reverse engineer from an acronym. That'd be no. I'd, I'd like the slight bit of alliteration, right? That was my favorite. I mean, people say like alliteration sticks in your brain, but I'm not sure that that's actually a thing. <laughs> it seems like a cheap grab. I think that it does, but I don't know if it works when your words are like over, you know, eight letters. Yeah, maybe like a couple syllable words or something. Yeah, yeah. So given that we have to place this a little bit in Steven Universe release, mm-hmm. what was out in June and July of 2018? This was before the Diamonds, the Diamond Days bomb. Mm. This okay. Was, this was after um, a single pale rose. A single pale rose. Yeah, the, which was the. Um, episode where they go into Pearl's Gem to find the cell phone, and you find the, the pink diamond reveal. So, Ruby and Sapphire hadn't gotten married or anything like that? No. Wow, this is really antiquated. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. So the flow of the series after that is, like, they, they you have the pink diamond reveal, you have Ruby Sapphire split, uh, reconcile, get married, mm-hmm. attacked by the gems, reconcile with the gems, then the last diamond days, bomb, and then, then the end of the series. Okay. Oh, well, sorry about that. I kind of dropped the ball on that. <laughs> so wait, was this during the like hiatus before like the last, I don't know, five episodes came out? This was the hiatus before the Ruby Sapphire split. Before the, Okay. The, oh, the, yeah. oh, yes. Yeah. All right, gotcha. Because okay. the Single Pillar Rose was May 7th, 2018, and uh, Now We're Only Falling Apart, where, they were, uh, where Garnet splits, is July 2nd, 2018. Was that the episode where they like did the song that was Ruby Rider? No, no, the one that was like "Take a moment to think about." Take a that was way, way earlier. That was earlier. That yeah. was way, way, way. That was the one that was animated by the um, Studio Trigger guy. That dream yeah. sequence. Mm-hmm. I just really like that song. I'm, st- I'm still upset. I didn't pick up his uh, do- dojinshi when we were in a uh, fest. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. just you couldn't get to it or something. They ran out. No, I was hungover that day. <laughs> oh, also a good excuse. Hungover yeah. and probably weren't we also jet lagged? No, we were. Didn't we just fly in? 
No, you you guys no, played just. We just flew in. No, I yeah. I I drank too much at that uh, gay club the night before. Oh yeah. Well, I think we all did that. <laughs> yeah. 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 We had not just flown in, and our arms were not tired. <laughs> <laughs> Angry bad comedian. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this fanfic, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, this is one of those fanfics that seems to have been written kind of on the go with rather than with an endpoint in mind. Mm-hmm. But it's written with a fair bit of thematic coherence. It it centers on that kind of main uh one of those main ongoing issues in Steven Universe of to what extent and in exactly what ways Steven is his mom. Now have none of us were really into the Steven Universe um fan community too much, right? Not at all. This is like the first time I've interacted with it, even though I really like Steven Universe. That's actually something I wanted to bring up. I had so many friends, like especially friends who are a few years younger than me, like maybe in their earlier mid-20s, who I've really tried to get to watch Steven Universe. Mm-hmm. And because they were in on like Tumblr and stuff, the stuff that's like, I don't know, I've never, I tried to have a Tumblr. I felt like I was too old, whatever. <laughs> maybe I'm not. Point is... They were on Tumblr, and they saw all this fandom, and they just hated this fandom. They were like, I'll never watch Steven Universe because of this fandom. And I guess it makes sense because... I don't know if it fully makes sense, but it was just kind of sad to me. I was like, I just think it's a good show. And it was like almost like I was getting made fun of for liking this show because of this fan community that I had no idea existed. Yeah, freak, freaking fan communities. We hate them on this show. I just don't, yeah, I don't. But, you know, I'm not saying, like, I don't want to say this, the fan community of Steven Universe is bad because I know nothing about it, but... I, I think that's a relatable thing that where you've run into a fan community of a, of a thing before you've run into the thing itself and you've just been kind of turned off. Mm, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure Amato, because I'm not sure Amato cares about what anybody else thinks about anything. <laughs> I just don't... <laughs> it's weird to say this, but I interact little with very many fan communities unless I'm actively looking into them. Oh, I was like this with um, My Little Pony. Oh, I, yeah. I actively avoided it because of the fan community at first. I, I mean, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Oh, actually, that is something I was into during the initial boom. We went to the first ever free Northwest Con because we were like into the first couple seasons. Mm-hmm. For my, for me, it was more like once the show kept going and like the major world building was done mm-hmm. and um, I just kind of lost interest and the songs got worse also <laughs> Yeah. after I, the first two seasons. I've heard one or two good ones recently on TV. But, like I was, um, I, I hated the fan community. I hated the community around the fan community around the fan community. <laughs> but I like cartoon shows. So I did the thing with that show where I did with a lot of other things where I'm not sure about the quality. It was like, okay, I'll watch it. And if I hate it, I'll just stop watching it. Mm-hmm. And I just watched the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I will say this just briefly because I feel like we might have a little more time in this episode with the shorter fic that this is something I've been struggling with through this whole podcast. Like every time I say, oh, I'm on a podcast where you talk about fan fiction, mm-hmm. I feel like I immediately have to justify that fact. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And that's because, you know, I spent most of my adult life trying to avoid being involved in these communities because they're essentially perceived as what, it, you know, is now called like weeaboo-ish, right? And as a white person, it's like, you're kind of, like, in this weird place of, like, you know, oh, God, it's so hard to be a white person. Sorry, that's not what I'm trying to say. But I'm saying, you know, you don't want to be that person. You don't want to be the person that's, like, anime fangirl all the time. Mm -hmm. It's not the right way to be. But, like, you 
just because you like a certain set of cartoons doesn't mean you are involved in that. But there are a lot of people who are. So it's very hard to like distance you. You kind of want to distance yourself as much as possible as a cartoon fan from that kind of racist shit that happens. So what's your excuse for not being deep into the Star Wars fan community, Tori? What do you, ha- what do you not, have against Star Wars? I'm not undeep in the... It's all American. Okay. I'm not... <laughs> what about Supernatural, Tori? I just never got into Supernatural. It's not really my jam. But you even know I love them? Star Wars. Like, nobody can ever say that I'm not into Star Wars. Yeah. Okay, but. okay. That doesn't excuse you being no help on any of the Supernatural podcasts we've had so far. Ha, 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 I was into the Steven Universe um, fandom a little bit by necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, I was into Adventure Time back in the day, and I was a fan of Rebecca Sugar. So, like, I followed her Tumblr updates for a while. I was sad when she left Adventure Time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then I, I checked out the new pilot she did for the show, and then, like, the first couple episodes, and then I didn't get back. Then I left it for a while and came back on somewhere around um, uh, the Lion, when the Lion episode came out. So I, I've been following the Steven Universe off and on for a while, mm-hmm. which meant there was I was there for just about every hiatus. <laughs> and part of every hiatus is trying to figure out when the hiatus is going to end. So a lot of that involves lurking on different forums and chans and waiting and talking and just interacting, having to experience the fans a lot, a lot of the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I mean it's safe to say that like a lot of fans are shitty. So I guess it makes sense like wanting to not feel like you're one of those people. <laughs> so I was a little apprehensive getting into this fanfic because the topic of the fanfic is, uh, if we just want to talk about it, is yeah. um, Steven becoming uh, Rose Quartz or Pink Diamond in this case through just gem body horror methods, which has been sort of a popular fan comic that will pop up on threads like every every so often. Mm-hmm. Just drawn as horrifyingly as possible. <laughs> It's definitely yeah. one of those sources of lurking horror in the show. Yeah. And, I mean, it, you know, the show returns to it in various ways, like, over and over. So I understand why people want to explore that. Um, in this case, the author's justification for writing it is, I got bored and wrote this. I know, that was really but funny. I, I think that's the kind of thing, <laughs> like, w- when you're just writing fanfic all the time, I'm mm-hmm. sure it's just like, oh, run with this idea, see where it goes. Well, it's that kind of honesty and that motivation, <laughs> I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah. Why else do we do anything? Yeah, I got bored, I did this, and yeah. <laughs> oh, and just while we're talking about the fandoms and such, sorry, Tori, I didn't mean to make light of like <laughs> you're talking earlier. <laughs> oh, no. I, I know not. what you mean. Uh, fan fiction gets a bad rap, and so of course one feels like one needs to justify it. Um, talking about it, I'd like to, um, you know, I'd like to hit on some of kind of like the more famous authors who write fan fiction. But for the most part, the people who like it's famous authors used to write fan fiction for the most part with a couple of exceptions and right. since we don't look at old fan fiction like we don't have much of an opportunity to i mean if they wrote something new that'd be interesting after becoming an established writer you got a couple people like that you've got um sean and mcguire mcguire how do you say her name she like keeps in the fanfic her toe in the fanfics um but I, i'm not even <laughs> sure what she writes besides like i've seen bits of her doing sailor moon online um i think it'd be therapeutic you know to Remind yourself, like, just to do, do something just because you want to do it and because you're contracted at that point. Yeah, and she's also really, like, out and proud about her fan fiction background in terms of being a professional, successful writer. Out and proud. That's right. <laughs> Fly that fan fiction flag. I mean, you're the one that's ashamed Dear to tell God. people. <laughs> so what does the fan fiction flag look like, by the way? 
Uh, <laughs> I would not be the person set to design that. I'm sorry. Though, oh, wait, it could be our original logo <laughs> of all of us in cosplay that I drew. That sounds about right. Yeah. Just as as a flag. <laughs> and three white people in cosplay. <laughs> there you go. That's the fan fiction flag. Cartoon. Yeah. I think the fan fiction flag can just be Kirk and Spock making out. Yes. This. Yeah. On yeah. a flag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't support that pairing necessarily, but that idea, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the origin of fan fiction, is it not? No, because people were writing Sherlock's home fan fiction in yeah. like 1920. Okay. Like, it's just the source of like some of the terminology. Fair enough. Yeah, that's see. That's how much I know about fan fiction, especially old fan fiction. We know nothing about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's get to the fanfic, by the way. Mm. So it is diamonds are forever. Um, so it it kicks off. These these are really short chapters, like thirty five really short chapters. Mm. One of the reasons I liked this glancing ad was that it touches on a lot of characters, but it's centered on Stephen. Stephen starts physically changing to resemble Rose Quartz. Also, this starts when Steven is 18? Yes, so there's a weird time jump in which clearly some things happened, but mm-hmm. some of the, you know, none of the things that were important that ended up happening in the show happened in between this time. Well, like, I try to think what continuity stuff couldn't have happened uh, with the show. There's, there's not too many problems, actually. There's, there's fewer gems around than there should be. So fewer that's gems around it. than there should be. And later they talk about not knowing Rose's motivation for the zoo. Right. Mm-hmm. Which was discussed in the, the latest bomb. Mm-hmm. But that's about yeah. the only things I could be nitpicky about. Right. Um, and so some of the things were kind of resolved off screen from the perspective of the author. Like Bismuth is around. Mm-hmm. But like that's pretty reasonable that if you jump a few years in the future, like Bismuth is going to be around one way or another. Right. Yeah. The, the author doesn't feel the need to justify that or, like, establish oh, it. That's right, because Bismuth came back at the wedding. Right. Yes. Yeah. And now that's actually a good point, because I didn't pick up on that right away. Mm-hmm. But I like that the author thought enough about it to bring Bismuth back in, just like the creators eventually did. Yeah, well... I actually wasn't sure if, you know, she would come back or not. But they did that, you know, it worked. Yeah, Stephen Universe has the thing of mentioning something and then never mentioning it again ever stop asking about it <laughs> yeah sometimes <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah the author put some thought into that because that specific continuity point is serious bismuth yes. okay. I, I needed to do it <laughs> I I'm believe on you him. thought that yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry but if you make another supernatural reference I'm going to shut off this podcast <laughs> you're going to have a hard time in the next episode then <laughs> um so Stephen wakes up. He's 18. It's been a few years. Mm-hmm. The, the main things that seem to have happened like later on that get dropped are Bismuth's back, mm-hmm. uh, Lars is back, and so are the, the off-colors. Off-colors, yeah. And at some point in the past, something happened with Sadie that she died and, or you know, almost died and Stephen had to revive her in the same way as Lars. Yeah, that's done as a reveal to one of the early um, chapters where at the end she's talking to Sadie and then and at the end you realize that Sadie is also pink. Yeah, it's chapter two, so I don't feel bad about just like mentioning it right now. Well, this whole thing is a spoiler. Right, well, yeah, yeah. I, we, have, we have to stay on the cutting edge. We can't worry about, you know, holding back information. That's right. That's true. We're reading the last chapter before we ever start reading the fic. I, I think it's not what the author wants you to read. <laughs> Tori accidentally only read the last chapter of this fanfic until just so a moment ago. Weird. I was just like so upset about that because Amato just told me it's under 10,000 words. So I was like, oh, it's short. 
I put it in my e-reader app, and it only reads me the last chapter. Now, one would think it would only read you the first chapter, but because I heard <laughs> the end right out the end, I was like, okay, that must be the whole thing. Yeah. I even listened to it twice, <laughs> but I never bothered to look at it. And then I looked, and I was like, oh, there's 24 other chapters. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, I messed up. Yeah. That's okay. You just sped read it. Sped, speed read it. Sp- sped it. Spread it. <laughs> you just spread it. And... Nope. <laughs> no. Nope, not that. One more take, I'm on. <laughs> uh, you just speed read it, and we're going to talk through it anyway. I hate how I have that sound bit of you saying that. <laughs> uh, I think we should keep it in. <laughs> I mean, it's staying in, but... <laughs> but Dom doesn't have to like it. No. First thing that changes is his eyes turning into diamond-shaped pupils. He starts freaking out. Connie tries to reassure him. You know, and then he starts growing, like three inches in three days and that kind of thing. I think this is bringing up some of the imagery that happened on the episode of Jungle Moon, Mm. where we started having the first pink diamond dreams, like looking in a mirror and seeing pink diamond. I I think that's that's a lot of this imagery brought brought back. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little about Steven growing because it's been a big point, you know, in his character that he has not been growing like a normal person like he is 14 at mm. the end of the series you know at this point the author's writing he's 14 he still hasn't like had any sort of like pubescent growth spurt yeah and he just doesn't seem to be changing so it's interesting that he is so freaked out like the sudden ghost growth spurt is obviously a freaky thing and it's associated with the whole pink diamond stuff which totally makes sense why he's freaked out but it's interesting because like his normal state of being wasn't quote-unquote normal either it was like this held back stunted growth right so we have like kind of a really interesting dichotomy presented there like it's scary for him to grow but it's also like i don't know it's like he was comfortable being unique in his own right but not comfortable being unique in the way that is co-opted by another identity i suppose i think it's fair to say that there's some anxiety that Steven has about it. Yeah. And that one episode where he turns 14, he tries to stretch himself for a while because he felt like he should be growing more than, mm-hmm. than he is. Yes, and then he learns how to be comfortable with himself. And I don't know, I think there's a lot of gender stuff we can talk about with Steven, but let's, yeah, let's try to move through this and then maybe bring it up later. And then the early horror episode, was it Too Many Birthdays? That's yeah. the one. Almost ages oh. himself to death. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy messed up, yo. <laughs> well, it's... It's not the physical growth or even, you know, the pink that is the fundamental fear here. It's that it might represent the sort of re reabsorption of Steven's persona into being his being Rose Quartz. Like that, that she might somehow dominate his mind also. And that's what he is freaking out about in this fanfic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people have different perspectives on it. And no matter what they're thinking on the inside, they're usually saying, like, look, it's just got to be some sort of weird gem puberty thing. Like, you're, you're still yourself. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Connie gets to reassure him. Bismuth takes, you know, takes a turn. And Bismuth here has, like, a strangely kind of... Not strangely, slightly surprisingly, like, kind of um, close relationship, protective relationship with Steven. Uh, I felt like that was in character for Bismuth. For no, it, it was. Totally. Like, she she would have one of those once she was around a bit. It's just, like, it's interesting kind of seeing that little time jump. I feel like that's why I forgot this was before Bismuth came back into the show. Right. Because it was written yes. just like Bismuth was written in the show when Bismuth came back. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point, yeah, because she's very protective of Steven. Like, she has this, like 
older, like older butch lesbian maternal vibe, you mm. know, where it's like she takes the younger lesbians under her wing. Like she's with like that way with Steven. That's how I read Bismuth. I'm sorry. She, because yeah. All these characters are lesbians. I'm sorry. Let's just be real. Yeah. She, she um, shows she cares by making weaponry, you know, yeah. that's like one of her kind of forms of, and that's also like being protective of people too. Now, Around about chapter four or five, in addition to the physical changes, uh, by chapter five, it says his hair is about half pink, he's about as tall as Garnet, his skin is a little bit pinker. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, this thing starts coming up where people think really badly of Rose Quartz, it seems like, in this fanfic. It's like, Stephen seems... Is that where he was at at this point when the author was writing? This was kind of at the point, like, after... Because this was right after A Single Pale Rose, where you find out that uh, uh, Rose, uh, Pink Diamond, had perpetrated this conspiracy mm -hmm. that was ultimately completely selfish and mm -hmm. caused a war and eventual genocide. Forced Pearl not to reveal it. Had, mm -hmm. like, you Took know, she bubbled yeah. Bismuth out of purely, like, kind of self-protective, personal, like, motivation, right? And there's a part in um, Chapter 3, Sweet Dreams, mm -hmm. Where um, where Stephen's talking to uh, Bismuth, I think, mm -hmm. talks and they mention the zoo and they say, "I saw her." He says, "She was at the zoo with Pearl. She just didn't seem to get it. It was like humans were pets to her." Do Do you think she ever really changed, Connie? I'm talking to Connie, I guess. But it was the thing where Connie's there too. Yeah, where at this point we still hadn't really come to grips with the motivation for the zoo, which we find out in the Diamond Days bomb that the zoo was something that like blue did to mm. try to pacify pink without trying to understand pink diamond at all right it was not her behind it wasn't it. wasn't her idea wasn't her uh, impetus but she tried to manage it as best she could mm -hmm. without without being able to talk back to the rest of her gem family her diamond family yeah and similarly about uh rose quartz in chapter five pearl tells him it's just a growth thing his dad tells him it's just some kind of half gem puberty connie tells him it doesn't matter to her Stephen wishes he could believe them. But he knows what monster lies within him. The diamond, the rebel, the liar. It's almost as if he can feel her in the pit of his stomach, as if he, she's about to discard his skin and return to life, and he'll just be gone. And so, yeah, it, it's this projection of, I feel like, what where they were at with that character at that point in the series, and I feel like a lot of... From what little I've rubbed up against the fan community, I feel like people were kind of demonizing pink, uh, demonizing rose quartz for a long time. For a long time coming, Before yeah. even there was really much basis for it. Just um, because it was more narratively interesting to them, I think. No, uh, before rose quartz was a complete question mark. Right. Like, uh, people just under, understood that she was like kind of deified, that people liked her. And then, then there's the uh, trickling of facts of uh, but these more things that rose quartz had done. Mm -hmm. And each one was kind of terrible and more terrible and more terrible which kind of resulted in a princess bubblegum <laughs> attitude from the fan community where it's like oh my god this person is actually horrible mm -hmm. and they didn't they, they kept that up until i think the very end where they so they had the deification the downfall and then the eventual um reification <laughs> mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it a pink diamond this was just sort of in a downswing of that cycle i don't know if they actually had any sort of redemption for her per se like i don't know but this anyway this fanfic was written before any redemption for her correct yeah it was right after the worst uh, the single pale rose of taking away yes, pearls the very worst thing yeah 
Yeah, and I agree with that. That's kind of what I was going to say is like, yeah, she's like slowly these facts trickle in and then this big, huge lie mm-hmm. that Pearl ends up like crying over because it's so traumatic for her that she had to do this horrible thing. And with Pearl being in a position where she was supposed to be a subject, you know, you can't help but feel like she was manipulated into it. And that makes her just seem like pretty, like a bad person, <laughs> you know? And yeah, like this is before any sort of redemption that we see for for Rose Quartz or for Pink Diamond. Well, but but the redemption was in there all along, right? Because she's also the person who was pushing everyone around her to be individuals, which is something that the show values greatly. That, like, it's okay for Pearl to be, I mean, except in the sense, except in the self-preservation sense where it's like, oh, but you have to keep my secret. Yeah. It's like to be something more than she was built to be, for, like, Garnet to explore, like, her own identity and, you know, not, like, she's, she's this major push for not being part of the cog system, uh, caste system in Homeworld. Mm. Yes. And that is her strength and, like, her virtue, right? Yes, but I think you can see, like, how when that seems like it's built on this colossal lie, that it seems fake. Like, it, if somebody lies fundamentally about their identity, this is where, like, the whole show kind of breaks down and becomes something quite different, mm-hmm. is they see this huge lie about Rose Quartz and her identity, and they're like, everything that's motivated us could equally be a form of manipulation and not actually a truth. Mm-hmm. And that's something that affects Stephen as well in a really interesting way. And I feel like the author is kind of addressing that. Like, his sense of identity comes into question because this whole sense of individuality is coming into question. Like, is that a truth or is that just another manipulation? Yeah, I think it swung back around with Rose, though, because it with all these reveals, it started... You find out that it all started with a lie, with a selfish thing, but eventually, over time, Rose's identity became Rose. It, all all that was originally a lie eventually became true for Rose Quartz, where it eventually did turn into caring about the people, and then the realization that oh, holy shit, I was a terrible person up up until this point, and if I told people, it would make it worse. And I think a lot of that came out in her interactions with Greg later, and yeah. and in the. Um, and in the ending song for the first few seasons, if, were you, if it uh, strung together, it's like, I always knew I might be bad. Now I know that it's true because you are oh so good and I'm nothing like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree with that. But I don't think that Stephen has that knowledge no, at this point. Definitely not. So he's, you know, an adolescent in the throes of this question of, I always thought my mother who had passed away, like, you can't help think of your mother who has passed away as a martyr, yeah. as a saint. But was she really something evil? And I think the dichotomy presents itself. Nothing's that simple. And I love that Steven Universe, even as a children's star, <laughs> tells us nothing's that simple. But you still see how Steven is struggling with the dichotomy. Like, I thought she was perfect. I thought she was a saint. Because she died, essentially. You know, when your parent dies, that's kind of how it feels. Like, they were perfect. It takes a while to struggle with the realization that they weren't. And I think a fundamental phase that you go through is maybe they were evil. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, like, like, I think that is the thing where you, if you thought someone was good, then you realize that, that they're bad, you might have the tendency to overcorrect. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Go too much the, the other direction. Absolutely. Yeah, it, emotionally it makes sense. Mm. 
Now, back in the fanfic, the main source of action in the next part is that Connie wants to fuse with Steven so that they can kind of, so she can be more direct emotional support, so they can think it over with two minds, you know. And, and also just, like, keep fusing. Yes, because they they were, they've been mm-hmm. doing that yeah. very regularly. Steven refuses because he's still freaking out about the possibility that his mind's going to be taken over by, like, the identity of Rose, even though there's no particular evidence that that's the case at all. But, you know, it might be. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want that to, like, influence Connie or, like, spread to Connie or, like, affect Connie's mind or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Connie goes to Garnet and asks about that specifically. Though actually, in between, just before that, there's this chapter six where it's just between Greg and Pearl. And I liked the extremely honest emotional beat where, you know, they're they're giving each other a little support. They, they get along okay now since the song and dances in... Uh, what is it, Mr. Greg? Mr. Greg. episode. Mm. Um, hey, shake a link. It's Mr. Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that Pearl had this moment when she admits to him, I used to dream she'd come back one day, she says, when, when Stephen, she lets out a heavy, heaving breath. But I don't want to lose him, Greg. I, I don't want this. And, like, it's very honest that when Stephen was first born, Pearl was thinking, like, well, this is super weird and upsetting, but when he goes through his lifespan, she'll be back. Like, that eventually Stephen would die and that, like, you know, Rose Quartz would return mm-hmm. from her gem. Was it explicit at this point in the series that Pearl felt that way? In the episode it, Three Gems and a Baby, they talked about... Okay, that episode had happened. Oh, yeah, like oh, yeah, yeah. Long ago. Okay, yeah. that was explicit that Pearl was, like, totally distraught. She was like, this thing Where, is gonna be you, right, Rose Quartz? Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Where all of them thought that yeah. Rose was in there, they just need to uh, reform. Yeah. Pearl was in love with her, so she was yeah. especially invested. Yeah. But at this time, it's it's, you know... A vulnerable thing to like admit that you know that's how you used to feel about someone who you now Certainly. care for extremely deeply right Certainly. yeah and I, I thought this was a sweet little scene actually yeah i liked it it's one of the little parts that stood out to me yeah um, and it might be one of the only ones that doesn't involve steven at all uh no that's not true some involve just connie i think yeah connie connie checks in with amethyst nothing much happens but they've got some good writing of the characters mm. So Connie checks in with Garnet about what to do from there. Garnet, you know, future vision is as useful as usual, which is to say not very. Not, not if they don't want it to be. <laughs> right. <laughs> if the authors don't want it to be, then yeah. it's not very useful. But Garnet says, you know, I can't tell you how this ends. I've seen hundreds of possible futures, some of them good, some of them bad. I don't know what it will be, and that scares me. I'm also not sure why Garnet would have seen so many possible futures coming out of this, just because, like... I mean, it seems like a fairly straightforward process that's happening here, but whatever. Yeah, I I, I don't like your garnet voice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a garnet voice. That's just me talking. I know nobody does. <laughs> yeah, I, one person does. What is her accent? British. Yeah. It doesn't sound total. It her actress is British. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It sounds maybe she's just like slow cool british i don't know something about her accent sounds different to me it's cool (laughs) yeah i guess it's just like her accent has always sounded super unique to me i don't know garnet does say i don't believe steven will cease to exist and she says i haven't seen a future where any harm comes from forming stevani which is what connie really came to check in about which like to be able to reassure steven that's okay um and so in the next chapter Connie sort of 
insists on fusing and says that Garnet said like it would it would work okay and even if she had talked to Garnet she doesn't want him to deal with this alone you know so they so they fuse and kind of it's very reassuring because few having fused and doing their like um meditation thing that they learned from Garnet Stephen's sort of able to examine I should say Stephen Stevani's sort of able to examine the parameters of their mind more clearly than Stephen usually can and is like, okay, yeah, here's here's me, there's, you know, where Steven's submerged, there's where Connie's submerged, here's, like, some little bits of Rose Quartz memory, but they're able to be say, like, okay, there's no, there's no Rose Quartz personality anywhere in here. Yeah, there's not a fully formed Rose Quartz trying to get out. Yeah, and there had been no sign of that either, it's just that Steven wasn't, you know, was, what's the word, anxious about it, you know? Yeah. Like, paranoid about it. And so that's very reassuring for Steven when they unfuse as well. And everything's fine after that. And everything's fine at the end. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, this is not an untrue description of what happens <laughs> for the rest of the fanfic. And nothing weird happens. <laughs> so what happens is that that extremely outlandish theory Steven had that maybe forming Stevani might like somehow infect, you know, Connie with some sort of like pink diamond rose quartzness. That actually does happen. And I was like, what? I thought that was just like a weird anxiety you had. Also, I want to mention Doug is also a good dad. <laughs> we mentioned before oh, yeah. that, that Greg is a very good dad, but Doug is a very good dad because like, he talks with Connie for a while. It's like, yeah, yeah. By the way, I, I like your pink contacts. That's cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then she flips out because she has no idea what he's talking about. Because she's also getting affected by the pink diamond syndrome. Right. But Doug sees it, uh, that their daughter come down mm-hmm. with, with some pink... With those pink eyes and just says, oh, hey, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Never had his daughter wear contacts before. Yeah. Not really even in character for her to do so. No. But you're right. Immediately supportive. It's like she's trying something new. I'll compliment and her. He just on says that uh, the contacts yeah. repeat, Doug. They look that's really good. good. Point. Really striking color. <laughs> <laughs> he He's always seemed like a fairly chill dad. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Her mom always seemed a little intense. I, I would say, you know, talking about Greg being a good dad or like supportive and being like, yeah, go do what you need to do in space is one thing. And like, <laughs> Doug, sure. And, like, I really like the whole arc of, like, oh, I talked to Connie and her mom. Like, I talked to my parents about the restrictive rules. We, we Like, we're a little bit more communicative now. We have a better relationship. Mm-hmm. I still would not have let my daughter go into space for that finale. No. Like, no. at all. That's exactly what I was trying to say about <laughs> Greg. It's like, yeah, they seem like really supportive parents, but are they responsible parents? Like, when you think about how young these kids are it's like uh i don't know maybe this world is just different right but it's also like the superhero trope where it's like hey hey if you ground me the world might be destroyed it's like (laughs) where do you release your um your rational thinking at that point you know yeah Yeah, i mean fair enough (laughs) yeah but okay but you know, for the finale of the show, for like that last going to home world to talk to White Diamond, whatever, mm. Greg being like, Steven, you need to do this, I understand, go ahead, and you've got all your friends with you, you know, like family basically, mm-hmm. fine. Like Connie's parents saying, like, yeah, you you need to be there too. We understand. I I don't relate as a parent. It's like, Connie, you don't need to be there in the same way that Steven needs to go. But what if your kid said like, Dad, if I can't go, then the main character can't power up fusion and then become have a stronger attacks. Then here's what I would say. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you can go, mm-hmm. but stay fused with Steven the whole time for your own protection. Because mm-hmm. you are just a human. I, okay, they don't really understand the mechanics there, but like, surely Stevani would be safer than Connie as a separate squishy human body, right? 
Right? Uh, or just... I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, totally. That's totally true. I'm just, I'm still, I'm still having queries about this, like, you know, I'm thinking, you know, Amado, you're actually a parent. Right. Um, but I'm still thinking, like, you know, what if, you know, one of my, like, after school, like, one of my after school program kids who's, like, 10 was like, I need to go into space to fight a monster. I'd be like, hell no, son. You're staying right here. Uh, Somebody else can do that. What if they said, I do have a cool sword to protect myself with? I mean, like, if you really, truly <laughs> understood that they were the only person who could actually handle this, right? it might change the question. But I, do these parents understand that? It's just, it's all kind of bizarre. It might actually go, hey, let me see that sword. Hey, I go, you stay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? right? That was exactly right. Like, like, when you're, you know, you're taking care of a kid, you're like, <laughs> you're the one who does the fighting. You don't let, you're not like, I'm just going to let my kid fight in space. You're like, no, let me do that. I got this, all right? Yeah. Uh, when you're grown, maybe you can figure it out. But right now, you ain't grown. That's the problem with any of these, like, um, kid hero TV shows where they tell their parents and the parents are supportive. The parents should always be, no, you're fucking grounded. If anybody will do this, I'll do this. Or, you know what? A trained professional. Let's have them do it. You know, <laughs> it's funny, Call the government. <laughs> anybody else. <laughs> and it's hilarious, though, because, like, a lot of these shows do have parents who are like, no, I'll take care of this. And the parent is solely ill, like, just purely ill-equipped mm. to deal with the problem and it becomes apparent but I feel like that's a better uh, uh, for the classic Tory pun <laughs> yeah well I wasn't trying but thank you Amato I knew you'd catch the puns as they dropped <laughs> Amato pays attention to the important things <laughs> but yeah anyway you know it becomes a, a, a clear that <laughs> the parents can't do it so the kid has to and mm. I think that's more reasonable than like hey you got a sword and you want to go to space, all right? Chill, <laughs> just do it. Well, it's it, all good, yeah. Because, like, in that episode in the hospital where, like, they had that conversation, I mean, the, the, the mother's reaction of who the fuck gave you the sword is actually an appropriate response. Oh, absolutely. Right? <laughs> uh, well, back in the fanfic, that scene happened. I like the contacts. Connie freaks out. She goes and tells everybody... <laughs> There's an author note at the end of that chapter that just reads in all lowercase letters, yeah, they're not contacts, Doug. There's kind of like one or two fun uh, end notes uh, where it's the author like talking sarcastically to the characters. Right. <laughs> it was cute. Whereas like at the where they first talk about Sadie uh, being pink, mm-hmm. the author's note is just she's dead, Jim. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, Classic Star Trek reference. So Connie tells everybody else. Garnet takes it super hard because. She just totally dropped the ball in her future vision. Yeah, she was people. she was specifically like, I see no futures where this is a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then uh, she apparently hit that one future she didn't look at where I, that's a problem. Technically correct. It's not, it didn't turn out to be a problem. Yeah, she said where out. any harm comes of it. But, you know, her future vision is not like an AD&D augury where it's like, <laughs> is, this, is this good, bad, like neutral? Wheel. Like, she, wheel or whoa. <laughs> she, like, specifically sees what happens. And mm. so, like... I understand why she takes it hard that she did not see this happening. I don't understand why she did not see this happening. <laughs> that she was specifically checking out those futures. Whatever. It's a good point. Like, why does her future vision ever fail? <laughs> because she, like, the, the ruby part just gets impulsive or no, something? No, I don't know. This is a conversation Amada and I dig into for hours at end. <laughs> it, it seems like Garnet's future vision is no more and no less effective than Sapphire's future vision. It's just Sapphire's future vision. That's what I always that assumed. That Garnet has. Sure. Right? 
It's not that, like, throwing Ruby into the mix makes it in any way, like, compromised. No, Ruby is the punching part of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is implied that they are stronger, that Garnet is stronger than as you. Garnet. Yeah. <laughs> what? No, I said stronger than you. Stronger than you, yeah. That's not true. <laughs> well, there's a song that says differently, so... <laughs> I'm sorry, go on. No, 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 I just think that Garnet... I mean, obviously Garnet is fused as Garnet because it makes the most sense for her to exist that way. But it also seems like almost every fusion is stronger than the individuals that make up the fusion. I think, so, I think Garnet's strength is more spiritual than specific yeah, powers. Garnet is very balanced, mm-hmm. yeah. and Garnet is very grounded. I think it was, like, Garnet has a better ability uh, ability to navigate the power than Sapphire does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's still essentially the same power. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably accurate. It's just, yeah, it's a funny thing to think about. It's like, the future vision and the source of it is like, It guess it is unreliable because otherwise I guess sapphires would be like infinitely more important. Yeah, from a writing standpoint, you either have with any character that can see the future, it's either a character that can't really see the future, or it's a boring character that should always win. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Totally true. Now Garnet sort of does Garnet take off immediately? I forget. Yeah, immediately runs off to the forest from um, the question and the answer. Yeah. But in this next chapter, we get a chapter from Peridot's perspective, and I kind of like it. Um, Peridot's the one who gets to examine Connie and be like, yep, those are pink diamonds eyes. <laughs> After this, there, there's a lot of talk and shouting and tears. It makes Peridot feel uncomfortable. She knows she needs to support her friends, but when people cry, it makes her feel very ill at ease. Eventually, she excuses herself and heads out onto the beach. Very relatable. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, and I mean, it's a good characterization of Peridot, where it's like, she wants to... Help, but like this is really not her element. Mm. And that's Peridot. Yeah. Like she's just kind of like really autistic. She's just like, hey, <laughs> I can say a lot because I am. My point is like, she's just like, I don't understand. <laughs> I guess I should go. Not helping that's here, like, right? Yeah, like if she makes all these reasonable decisions, I think it's easy to see her as kind of like insensitive but really i think she's very sensitive because she's just like i don't understand what's happening so i guess i will let them figure it out and that's actually like very reasonable and amethyst comes out onto the beach with to talk to her and i like these little scenes between the characters who are not steven or connie a lot of the times Mm -hmm. um and you know amethyst and and peridot are a a good relationship to begin with and amethyst is checking in with her basically and peridot shares her perspective which is like look steven and connie are like two parts of a single unit anything like this that was going to happen was going to happen eventually and just because something's changing doesn't mean it's bad, right? So, like, let's just see where this goes. Yeah, Peridot was one of the first ones that said, like, um, this is happening now, and maybe maybe it won't be such a bad thing. Maybe it's just change. And that was just sort of the... Because the, at first I thought this was going to be, like, a body horror yeah. fanfic. But the, that kind of introduces the tone of, like, this uh, potentially horrific change just being a change and not yeah. necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, and I think the fanfic's effective in that way where you are dreading what's coming just like Steven is because you're afraid of the same thing Steven is. Mm -hmm. But what happens here as this fanfic concludes is that there's just physical changes to Steven and to Connie. And that's all it is. And it really is just like these weird interactions of his body that no one really knows what to expect from. 
And they finish it up in that in that episode by saying, uh, Amethyst saying, maybe, but if it is, it's really starting to grate on me. Peridot smiles humorlessly. Isn't change always like that? She says. Yeah, yeah Peridot, I liked her characterization in this. I definitely sometimes found her annoying in the series, but I can relate to a lot of her experiences of, like, I don't get this. Like, and she often approaches things wrong because she doesn't understand them. But she often has a lot of very important insight. And that was like an important insight. Like, oh, I've never thought about it before, but I guess it's just change. It's just okay, you know? And, and that's such a funny way to, like, a lot of people make these assumptions and she just kind of breaks them down. Mm-hmm. I like that. We return to those similar themes a couple of times, like Bismuth talking to, to Connie and saying, like, it's just change. It happens to everyone. It's just you're having weirder changes than most people do. It's not going to make you not you. It's not going to make Steven not Steven. It's a nice little scene where, like, uh, Connie keeps on trying to complain and Bismuth just keeps on putting it in a positive light. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds very Bismuth. Yeah. It was a good characterization. Yeah, I'm probably going to turn pink. It'll suit you, so it replies with <laughs> Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> it's nice, yeah. Um, Steven tries to lock himself in a room, and, uh, like, there's these, there's a, a lot of chapters here that are just the well, author kind of writing little, like, bits of it that... He, he locks himself into, in Rose's room. Oh, yeah. Which is a mystical magic thing. Not locks himself in the, in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been effectively the same. Yeah, no, but yes. But <laughs> I, I don't know if you can call it a room per se, I think might be Tom's point. Mm-hmm. Well, it, the, the point is like locking, Stephen locking themselves in Rose's room is always a bit of a theme in the episodes about Stephen dealing with the image of Rose mm-hmm. and his mom. Yes. And also, oftentimes, there's things that happen in there that are sort of, like, psychological ideas brought to life. Yeah, he usually has some sort of drug trip in there, too. <laughs> yeah, pretty much is what I was trying to say, but in a more delicate way. Yeah. <laughs> and then it goes back and forth between a couple of little subplots. Um, Garnet has retreated into the cave where she and... Where, not, where, she, where she spent the night with the other half of Where Ruby and Sapphire spent the night uh, back on Earth, like that first time they were on Earth. There you go. They're, they're three different people. <laughs> three different people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and Pearl eventually has to go, like, kind of pull her out of her head because she's just sort of, like, gotten lost in future vision trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sadie and Lars are deployed by, I think, Pearl to go look for, like, comb the desert. Spaceball style, um, for for like a key that opens. What is it? Is it the chest in Lion? Is that like not Star Wars style? Spaceball style? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's the noise I made. That was why I made that noise. Okay, move on. <laughs> Wait, am I forgetting a part in Star Wars where stormtroopers drag a gigantic comb through a desert? <laughs> it's kind of interesting to see like what race is important in a model's mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, but they did search Tatooine. It's just, yeah. Anyway, that other subplot is that Lars and Sadie are combing the desert for a, uh, like, key that opens, like, a remaining box inside Lion or something. It's the chest on the island in, um, in the Lion Sea. Does that never get opened in the show? No. <laughs> there was a lot of things on the island that people were interested in. The, the locked chest was one of them. The bubble was one of them for a while. And, like, there's a sword there also. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. have thought about this. <laughs> right. No, yeah, no it's doubt. definitely something to put some thought into. Um, and they come back, they being Lars and Sadie. They manage to retrieve it. They come back. I like when they take the ship back and, you know, land it on the beach or whatever. 
there's a brief scene where they check in with the cool kids. Um, and I just like it because the, the cool kids only have a couple lines, but they're all very accurately written, <laughs> I feel like. Hey guys, says Sadie, anything happened while we were gone? Steven started coming out again, replies Sour Cream. That's pretty rad. Coming out. <laughs> uh-huh. Lars asks if he's changed much. Jenny's like, oh, well, they're taller and pinker. They look good. Buck nods stoically. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a Buck voice either, but like, that's the only thing Buck says in the entire fanfic, and mm-hmm. that is just a very Buck line mm-hmm. in my mind. <laughs> they look pretty good. They look good. <laughs> oh, I like this, though, because the first, like, uh, Stevani episode was them going out to this club and, like, getting hit on, right? Yeah, like, Kevin. It was, it was, yeah, it was, but it was really relatable, you know, it was like, Stevani is not a boy or a girl, right? Right. Like, I can obviously relate to this, but they're being treated as, you know, this object because they're being perceived as, like, possibly a hot chick, right? Well, they established in the episode that Stevani is attractive to everybody. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And it's, it's fascinating, though, because... I mean, it is a little difficult. Like, I will say that's a little difficult because Stephen and Connie being so young and then, like, fusing into something that's uh, objectified sexually. Well, that's very what's difficult. also super awkward in that episode, right? And yes. it's supposed to be yeah. very weird and uncomfortable. It is supposed to be. I don't know how I feel about how the media portrayed it, but I will say that I feel like it's a relatable experience, you know, and it's a relatable experience not just, you know, as a non-binary person, like being perceived outside of your gender or as being objectified, especially when you're perceived to be, like, feminine or a girl. But it's relatable, you know, for a lot of young people who hit puberty at a young age and are perceived to be older than the age they are. Um, A lot of people have to realize these things very quickly and deal with them. And Stevani really, like, epitomizes that. I feel like this fan fiction drew attention to that in, in kind of an important way, like... It was like, oh, yeah, like, how do they look and how do they appear versus how do they feel? <laughs> like, hmm. I don't know. That was, like, an interesting point for me, I guess. I don't think there's any of that in this fanfic in particular. I didn't see it. I don't know. That's just how I felt. Like, that. that's how I read that, like, particular... I don't know. Maybe I, I was overreading in that <laughs> scene, but... Um. But the threads come together. Like I said, Pearl manages to pull Garnet out of the cave. I, I hope I said that. Uh, the key is retrieved. Connie manages to talk Stephen out of out of his pink room. Or uh, Greg does also. Gre- it's Greg kind of checking in with Stephen. And they're all in a, a slightly better headspace when they open up that chest. That's chapter 22. Mm. In the chest is a letter. The letter is chapter 23. And here's the... F- I feel like this beat rang false to me. Because in the chest is a letter Uh to Stephen from his mom Uh that addresses his concerns very specifically. (laughs) Very specifically. Like, um, she talks about the selfishness of faking her shattering and like, oh, how it's, you know, how ordering Pearl not to speak of it was bad and she regrets that. She talks about, oh, you probably want to know the point behind your existence. I need to know that you have no responsibility uh, to make up for my crimes. Like... Uh, what you do is up to you, you are you, and all that kind of thing. And I don't feel like Rose would have been quite as in tune with what her hypothetical offspring would be feeling at this transition. At 
Like, it, it's just a little bit too on the ball to me. Yeah. I feel like the video addresses some of these concerns already. The video that she made. Are you talking about the line three or line four alternate ending where he's trying to crack the code and you find out that... Both. Yeah. Yeah, I think both of those episodes kind of address these without making Rose Quartz, like, telepathic or, like, you know, about, like, what what she, exactly she would need to say. Like, she kind of gets some of the issues at play here about, like, you are you, uh, you know, I am mm-hmm. But, like, she also doesn't understand some of the issues at play. Like, when she says something like, when you love yourself, that'll be me inside you loving you, which is, like, not a reassuring thing if you're freaking out about the possibility <laughs> of, like, your mom being inside your head or taking it over. Mm. Like, and, like, and, it, and it shouldn't have been as on the ball as this letter was. And that's just how I felt about it. Uh, what were your two reactions about this chapter? I was, I was okay with it. At, at the time, I mean, now that you brought these points up, <laughs> starting to bug me. But it seemed like it had a lot of the idea of what the rose, what a rose redemption would have been at that point in the series. Mm-hmm. Trying to think of like where the concessions, they make a lot of concessions. Like I know I did terrible things, thousands upon thousands of corrupted gems, millennia of pain, <laughs> and then it was all my fault. But, but who hasn't caused a millennia of pain, right? <laughs> <laughs> But like their redemption in this is saying, but it's not your fault. It's it's not Stephen's fault. It's Rose's fault, and that's how they try to redeem it. Right. I feel like for what you knew about the series at the time, it wasn't too illogical of a place to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I kind of have like I agree um, with what you're saying, Dom. But it's a funny feeling because the whole time you're watching this series. This is something, you know, I've wanted to bring up before is like when you start at Steven Universe, a lot of the appeal of the show is just like the mummy around Beach City and having like a gay old time, right? Mm-hmm. And and a lot of that is like interpersonal relationships and dynamics and Steven also missing his mom. But when they bring in the idea that his mom has been deceptive and that she is not the person she seemed to be, that seemed like, wow, that's a lot. And so yeah, I agree that it's, like, this is the redemption you kind of want to see, like, that the mom is still a sympathetic person. But I'm not sure if that's where the series was going at the time. And especially if we're seeing her influence on Steven as a corrupting force that potentially might, you know, deviate him from his own individuality and even affect Connie in that way, you're looking at, like, oh, whoa, like that was kind of where the series was going at the time. Like, Stephen, not sure if he would ever be himself again. And scared that that would influence everything in his life, including mm-hmm. his closest relationships, like his one with Connie. Now, this is a way more directed way to influence it. But I guess, like, resolving it in a letter, like, you're always you, seemed like a, a recall to the original Rose Quartz. And I understand why they would do that. Like, oh, she actually just is this kind person. Yeah. But that's not exactly where the series was at the time, so it's kind of confusing, I guess. It's kind of epitomized by the end of the letter that says, where Rose says, life is precious, don't let mine define yours, mm-hmm. which was the positive takeaway of this exploration of vignettes or fanfics. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I, and I, I appreciate the general direction that, like, it, it's, it's scary and it's a real fear, but in the end, that's not... It wasn't actually a thing. Right. I will say, but it, it, it does kind of put the onus on Steven. Don't let me influence you. It's like, 
you're the mother and and you created the situation mm. like whether it influences Stephen or not is not necessarily his choice you know he's gonna do his best right but mm. don't let it influence you puts a lot of pressure on him mm. well after that the fanfic mostly closes out there's chapter 24 which is called here i am where Stephen and connie sort of talk about it they basically decide to try to leave behind um you know, these concerns about Pink Diamond. I think you're glossing over the fact that it takes place 100 years in the future. No, no, that's the chapter after that. Here I am? Yeah. Well, I'm a Pink Diamond. Oh. Immortality, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, no, the, the last chapter, yeah, that that goes a little bit more forward. I, these are also short. They all really blend together. I know. Um, it's that kind of quick flow, quick writing. But no, this is just them processing the letter. And, um, you know, Connie's like, well... Whether she wanted you, you to or not, you've still inherited Pink Diamond's problems, but, like, we'll try to get through it together. And they just come up with the idea that I am Pink Diamond, I am a Pink Diamond. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fair. Yeah. Um, and then Connie says, no, we are. Yeah. Right. To Stephen. And that. they end it by merging again yeah. into Stevani. Oh, and also before this, at some point, they they officially start going out. Oh, yeah, that happened in the middle of the fanfic. <laughs> I, I forgot because it was so natural, like... I, I kind of disregarded it because I... Thought they had brought a lot of unnecessary questions to the Stephen Connie relationship in this. Hmm. Yeah, I, I always liked the Stephen Connie relationship for being clearly, specifically an intimate friendship, not necessarily dating, but who cares kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Or well, not the kind of relationship where they stop and ask each other, what is this relationship? Right. <laughs> because they're just that close. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But then, chapter 25 is immortality. Do you want to lead us off on that, Don? Uh, it's 100 years in the future. Yep. <laughs> and there's a giant pink diamond that's directing operations out using Earth as a base. Isn't it only like 80 years or something? Well, whatever. it is probably like 80 years. They mentioned Greg uh, being like 100. Pushing 100, yeah. yeah. Wait, so a, it's not, a giant yeah. pink diamond? It says pink diamond's ship, but that's not, it's not clear there's another pink diamond. No, 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 no. No, Pink Diamond, as in Stevani. Right, oh yeah, see, well, Stevani, right. Yeah, um, Stevani is pretty much a Pink Diamond at this point. Yes. a The very logical conclusion, like, if you were projecting forward of, like, where this series would go in the long term it has happened, mm -hmm. where Earth is a haven for rebel gems, or, it, like... It's a rebel base. A rebel base, right. Uh, against the homeworld. Yes. And so, you know, that what they're doing is, like, they send out... Uh, voyages to kind of round up people who, like, are on the run or, like, need to escape to a safe haven. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, th that makes total sense if you're kind of projecting forward, having not finished the series. Um, and Stevani, it's not... You only see Stevani in this chapter, and it's not clear whether they're doing the Garnet thing or whether... Uh, I, I can't really imagine Stephen and Connie doing that, but, like, um, by which I mean remaining fused basically permanently. Well, well oh, sorry, go on, Dom. <laughs> at, at, at the very end, the, the last thing is, you have a gem talking to them, and they say, are you Pink Diamond? No, they replied, I'm Stevani. So I think that's pretty cut and dried what they're presenting themselves well, as. <laughs> yeah, at the time, they are Stevani, though. Yeah, no, I actually felt a little differently because um, something that, like, caught me in this is, like, Greg looks up and sees, he said, it says he sees the fusion of Steven and his wife. And I was like, Steven and Greg's wife? That's how I read That's it, like, And I was like, oh, no, wait, okay, Steven and Steven's wife. So right. it's implied that Steven and Connie got married. Right. 
which implies that they've treated themselves as separate entities, at least for a certain least, period of time. Yeah, but it's 100 years later. Maybe they were treating themselves as separate entities, you know, 90 years ago. Yeah, and also Ruby, Ruby and Sapphire got married, too. Agreed, yes. That is actually an excellent point, Tom, <laughs> that I didn't consider. Like, in my mind, I was like, if Greg still thinks of them as separate, maybe they are. But then again, Greg has a limited perception. And it's a really good point that Ruby and Sapphire <laughs> still got married, despite being the same person so well as a married person i i assure you that my spouse and i are basically one entity Mm -hmm. well and and i do think that's the point of fusion a lot of the time like a lot of people in the the fandom that i was loosely aware of thought of it as like sexual intercourse was fusion until more fusion started happening and it was clear that those Mm -hmm. were not sexual relationships that should probably happen considering steven being a child and all of that but well mm -hmm. that that it wasn't only sexual relationships yes all aspects of it was different relationships intimacy Yeah. yeah being portrayed yeah there's nothing sexual about Stephen Amethyst fusion, right? Or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Though I will say that in this last chapter, Amethyst and Peridot? Is that right? Where is that? Something. Amethyst and Peridot sit on the grass nearby. Peridot running a hand through Amethyst's hair as she snores loudly. That's actually a fairly common fandom pairing. I missed that. Yeah. Very subtle, but if she's, you know, like in this last chapter, running a hand through someone's hair, not the biggest thing but like in a last chapter it's sort of like mm-hmm. very suggestive I think yeah, at first I thought she was talking about La- at first I thought it was Lapis because Lapis is also mentioned the sentence later then I read it again and I was like oh it's Amethyst okay yeah but like Lapis and Paradise are married couple basically That's they're an odd of. couple common law married <laughs> yeah well they're close but you know you can be close and not be married I do think bringing marriage into Steven Universe is kind of complicated because yeah. we're looking at a lot of gay relationships and intimacy. Like, Steven Universe does a really good job of portraying intimacy outside of sexual or romantic relationships and doing that very well. So I think adding more marriage into it is maybe not the thing that I wanted to see, but mm-hmm. I mean, not to object too much to marriage. It's something to do, but it's not the only form of intimate relationship. It's also so. just kind of a conversational crutch when just talking about things mm-hmm. especially in our society because we're used to talking like that <laughs> yeah i mean we don't always want to see you know i i may be i mean i'm one of those gays who isn't you know 100 percent for gay marriage because i appreciate the idea of gayness promoting intimacy outside of the heterosexual construct of marriage so seeing it done in queer media is always a little bit complicated for me it's like i appreciate that they do gay marriage because it is still controversial, but I don't always appreciate that marriage is created as the only way of intimacy for us to exist. I don't think it should be for gay people or heterosexuals. Mm-hmm. Well, in this last chapter of the fanfic, they're apparently married. They have a conversation with Greg. Greg's still alive. It's, you know, he's pushing a hundred years old. So it's not quite a hundred years in the future. It's like, I don't know, 80, whatever. Yeah. 50? Uh, 50? No, 50. How old was Greg? Yeah, 50. How old was Greg? <laughs> oh, good point. Uh, um, Greg was not 14. I was thinking of Stephen. <laughs> yeah, that's actually... I was too when I thought about it. Um, Greg was pretty young when he had Stephen, I think. He was pretty young when yeah. he met Rose. Yeah. He was balding when Stephen was born. Mm. Yeah. So he would have been like be, at least probably 30. It could have been... Yeah, 30. Something. I mean, people who are balding in their 20s, you know, like, it depends, right? I'm not sure that's how they draw cartoons, but yeah, I, I see what you mean. <laughs> well, okay, fair enough. That is fair. Um, 
And But then later on, it says Lars and Sadie had just arrived looking almost the same as they had 80 years ago. That's because they were dead. Yeah. But 80 years can't have passed if Greg is pushing 100. Oh, unless Greg... yeah, that's why I said 80 years, because oh. of that. Oh, so so the, the author just lost that thread. That's yeah. fine. Like I guess. Yeah, it, it's just a mistake. One of them is a mistake. Okay, yeah. Um, and that's why we're confused. Um, and yeah, right, it ends on... The, the Diamond's Pearls defecting and, like, arriving on Earth and Stevani greeting them, saying, I'm Stevani. And that's how it wraps up. I'm trying to think about how to uh, bring together my thoughts about this as a whole. Um, what, did we also mention that at the end, it was, um, Stevani said, well, we could always use more crystal gems when they bring the other two oh, yeah. gems. Well, yeah, because the I crystal really, gems are still an active, but, like, but we talked about how rebellion. Yeah, we talked yeah. about how there was a rebel base against the homeworld. But it was also two pearls, one blue and one yellow. Yeah, so, it, it, it's, it's the diamond's pearls, yeah, it says. Yeah, the diamond's pearls. Okay, they specified that. Yeah. Okay, sorry, I might have missed that beat. But yeah, that they're they're forming a crystal gem sort of army, which is kind of sweet because it continues the idea of the crystal gems. But I kind of didn't guess what the ending of the show actually was because who could have guessed that? No, no. <laughs> and in terms of the ending of the show, I don't know about that. Although to be fair, you should have guessed that they just loved the bad guy to their mm. side. <laughs> you know, I did guess that, but I didn't actually want it to be true because I felt like it. It felt rushed. It didn't, yeah, yeah, it felt rushed. It didn't feel real. Like, I felt like this show was trying to treat the trauma and the, like, stuff that family went through, and it addressed it by, like, well, we love each other, so it's okay. Like, that's not really what I want to see in terms of processing family trauma. Well, so. it's not okay to continue the behaviors they were doing. Yeah, right. But it's like, yeah, oh, it's all forgivable. It, it, and I understand but how that could be upsetting. That's what I'm saying. I understand how that yeah. could be upsetting. They're not saying, like, continuing the way they were going was okay. But it did seem like they were saying, like, oh, if you have a change of heart, then, like, you can kind of wipe that slate I'm, clean. I'm paraphrasing, a, you can. I'm parapha- right. I'm paraphrasing a, a quote I read from Rebecca Sugar mm-hmm. where Re- Re- Rebecca Sugar said, I know things don't aren't solved like that in, in real life, but in my imaginary <laughs> story, can't it just work, work out like that? Mm-hmm. So I think they recognize that, but they just wanted to present a different viewpoint. I mean, I'm fine with that. It's just that at this point, the show had done such a good job of like addressing things in a very real way that it seems surprising. I'm not sure real is the right word. I <laughs> you can't I really think... solve things by magically fusing with somebody else. <laughs> no, but it's not usually solved by fusion. It's resolved by having a conversation about what's going on for people emotionally. And then fusion is a natural progression. And it's like fusion represents the intimacy that's created through those conversations. Mm-hmm. And I guess the same is true of the ending. It's just, it, yeah, I guess it felt rushed it was, is, is what I'm going to go with. Yeah. Same. Well, are there any final thoughts about this fanfic? What did you think as a whole? I'm kind of having trouble grappling with it as a like whole entity of fiction. I think it's a bit outdated. <laughs> yeah, that's our problem. It's just not cutting edge enough. It's kind of hard to think back to it. Uh, I mean, putting the brand brand aside, there's a lot of... I, I don't, can't remember if I said this on the fanfic already or not, but when talking about steam universe as it was coming out mm-hmm. if you're talking with somebody else the first question you ask like are you current have you watched the latest episode and they're like oh no i've only a couple episodes behind but we can still talk about it you say like no we we can't really because each reveal of steven universe each step down the story always revealed something that recontextualized everything else before it 
Not always, though. Like, the start of Steven Universe was pretty, like, episodic. This yeah. most recent stuff has been really, like, well, in since, your face, right? Since the right? Steven bombs. Yeah. 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 Since the pattern of, like, here's a bunch of episodes, and now you wait for, like, yes, five yes. months. Honestly, since most stuff after um, Stronger Than You. Yeah. Mostly, I guess. I think that's um, true. And so I understand. Yeah. The question we end with, of course, is do you think this fanfic is going to be worth coming back to and reading in 20 years? Mm. And it's, like, hard enough to come back and read to it after six months. Yeah. Like, it's actually kind of difficult to get back into that headspace. Um, I think it's an interesting uh, example of humans becoming gem stories, which is apparently a thing in mm-hmm. Steven Universe fan fiction, where the author even suggests a few of them themselves at the end of it. Yeah, the author seems to write everything. So, yeah, the author's like, here's my other story in this genre. Uh, kind of genre. So I, I, th- I think it's a pleasant example of the concept, maybe. Mm-hmm. It had some nice character moments. Uh, nothing that... I would imagine the strength of this fanfic would be shown as well or better in other fanfics by this author. Like, I'm not sure there was anything very particular to this setup and this story that was, like, really memorable and really great. I think I enjoyed the creation of the fanfic, the fact they're doing something... Uh, once a day for a mm-hmm. hiatus and working through their thoughts and feelings on, on the on Steven Universe and the series. I, I really appreciated that. Well, I mean, the author was doing several fanfics at the same time, right? Like, yeah. they, they mentioned at one point, it's like, oh, yeah, like, as, as the note at the end of the chapter, I know I put out a chapter of this and this other fanfic and this other fanfic today. That doesn't mean I wrote them all yesterday, guys. It just means that, like, I'm publishing them all today. Which I think is still amazing. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Uh, I definitely admire the author for being able to just, like, yeah, pump out these thoughts and, like, get these down on paper and, like, explore all these different little characters banging together, just, like, having a premise and running with it and seeing where it goes. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's going to last the test of time in terms of, like, classics of modern fan fiction. Yeah. I don't don't think that's necessarily because of quality, though, so much as the placement of it. If they just waited for the series to end... And maybe they have, maybe they've written something else. I think this was, like, a really kind of good alternate ending, you know? This could have been when the series went. Yeah, and I yeah. thought the writing was quite good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. But that's the moral to everyone. All you Steven Universe authors, you just sort of waited for the se- series to end. In fact, there's going to be a movie coming, so just stop. Stop writing fan fiction. Just wait until that movie comes out, and then you can start writing again. Maybe a season of six? Question I, what, mark? Would, what would they do? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, we'll just have to leave all this to the fanfiction sages of the future. That's right. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad we got a chance to talk about Steven Universe and talk around this fanfiction for a while. I mean, that's kind of our last chance, because like, we only talk about new stuff, and this just finished. Mm-hmm. So we would be putting out brand new Steven Universe you know, f- fanfics a few years. Actually, that'd be interesting, too. Stop. <laughs> after after they develops uh, for a few years, what, what a fanfiction comes out of the uh, community. I don't know. Who would be interested in really old fanfics, though? I don't know. We'll table that idea. <laughs> As like an alternate series something? <laughs> Y'all are hurting my brain. <laughs> kayfabe. Kayfabe. <laughs> Maintain that kayfabe. Actually, I'm about to break the kayfabe. Oh. <laughs> because this was episode 30 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, our April Fool's Day episode. <laughs> what? I know. I'm so Mind confused. Blank. Shock. God. Are you saying that this <laughs> podcast is about retro fan fiction? Uh, like Pink Diamond, 
and rose quartz. It was all a lie, Tori. <laughs> and I know you can never trust me again. What are you saying that this yeah. this podcast is the name of the podcast that's on the feed because we're not changing the feed name for this? One we joke. are definitely oh. not doing that. <laughs> what if we just redesign the whole website? Yeah, let's just redesign the whole thing, get a new yeah. logo. That way, sounds fun. Way too much effort. <laughs> this was episode thirty of Retro Fanfic Retrospective. In fact, uh, diamonds are forever by three. By E350 or E350TB on Archive of Our Own. You can find a link to it on bit.ly slash CEFDC Diamonds. We're maintaining that link. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, please contact us on Twitter at retrofanfic or send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com, or leave comments or reviews on the service of your choice. Next week, we'll be getting back to something that is older, and therefore less Steven University. I thought we were going to do another new podcast with uh, the newest Supernatural fanfic. So how old is Supernatural now? Uh, that is a question that I can easily oh, Google. <laughs> that's actually a really good point. Supernatural is not that new. Uh, we're getting to the point where we could do retro fan fiction about Supernatural. Let's don't. Let's know. not. Oh, no. Oh, no. It started in 2005. Oh, yeah. 2005 is pretty much my cutoff. No. <laughs> what have I done? We can do some of the earliest Supernatural fan Amato. fiction. Forget, I love you, but... Forget my hubris. <laughs> <laughs> my batard. I've been hoisted. <laughs> I'm Amato. <laughs> I'm Tori. I'm Dom. We are just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. This week, the opening song was Disco Challenge from the album Hella's Awesome Dance Adventure by Komiku. The ending song is still Run Against the Universe from the album Hopi's Incredible Adventure also by Komiku. You can find those albums and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. Well, yeah, we're finally getting to Steven Universe, which we have not talked about yet. I can't believe we've done, like, 30 episodes of this and haven't gone to Steven Universe yet. Well, we've been deep into Supernatural and stuff, so, you know, it makes sense. I mean, there's just so much there. But... Can you all just stop? <laughs> You're confusing me and the listeners. <laughs> and upsetting me. Now that's talk that's going to get cut in the editing room. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say that I don't like Supernatural? I'm sorry. That's no. definitely going to be cut because we, we, we can't handle that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I only got like three episodes into it, but it just never seemed like my thing. Well, I'm I, sorry. I think you're like point oh 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 one percent into the show then. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of people I know are totally obsessed with it and I'm fine with that. Okay. I accept them. I just don't <laughs> agree with them. Anyway, this is going to be an editing nightmare for Dom, but <laughs> try to keep up Keyfabe. Keyfabe? Keyfabe. Yeah. What? Uh, in wrestling, it's the idea that wrestling is real. Oh. Kayfabe. What, like suspension of disbelief? You're just not That's talking a... about the fictitious elements of what we are doing. <laughs> well, sounds like like the acronym for, like, you know, C-A-F-A-B, coercively assigned female at birth. That's um, what I thought of. I'm pretty sure that's not what this is. Mm. No, not not the intent, I think. Perhaps, perhaps not. <laughs> All right, should we start that section over again? Sure. <laughs>